dear friends. Thank you for tuning into this autumn episode of Love Service Wisdom. This show, I am sharing with you a dear friend, a dear, dear friend, Brittany Borsma. She and I had this conversation together at the start of the summer, June 3rd, I believe it was. So it's a few months dated, that's for sure. Uh, thank you, Brittany, to your patience while I put this out. And thank you, listeners, for your patience too. I took a few weeks off from putting shows out because I was doing some traveling here in September. And back at it, back at it. It feels good to be in the podcast saddle again. Brittany, she is, she's an incredible woman. I met her at a festival called What the Festival. I want to say back in like... 2017, she took a class of mine that I was teaching and at uh, the Woodland Stage called Satchitananda Vinyasa, one of my favorite festival classes to teach. And her and her partner, Jonah, came up to me afterwards and just kind of said, we love you. <laughs> we love you. We love that class. We want to stay in touch with you. We want to do more things with you. And they were true to that desire. And they have done many, many things with me. They've come to the retreat in Boulder that I do with East Forest. They come to, they've come to our retreats at Esalen as guests. They've come to Boise many times and Brittany joined my 300-hour teacher training program that she's just finishing up. She's at the end of, so she'll soon be a 500-hour RYT. And she comes, she's been traveling over from where she lives in Oregon to Boise to do that. And it's been really, really fantastic to get to know her in such a deep and intimate way. And um, yeah, the 300-hour program I'm, I've been talking about a little bit before my podcast um, the past few weeks. I'm really, really excited about it because it's going to be like a two-year um, really intimate personal journey with the students who join weekly classes with me and mentoring and monthly group calls and then a specific thread of modules that we're going to learn together that include my favorite subjects like yoga psychology and yoga philosophy and tantra yoga and yoga and social justice and bhakti yoga and really committing to to like practice 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 um, and what that can look like in our lives when we when we practice, whatever that might mean in the different various ways, but having like intentional effort towards it. So my new 300 hour program is going to start November 11th, coming up in a couple months. So if you're a 200 hour student or teacher, I should say, and you want to become a 500 hour student like Brittany has, this, this would be an opportunity for you. And you don't have to be in Boise or travel to Boise to be involved with it. I've made it's a, there's online only options too. So yes, yes. Brittany was in that program and part of it, the 300 hour program is a Dharma project. And a couple of years ago, we had a mentoring call where I was coaching her about her staycation retreat that she wanted to do. She wanted to create like an online program with videos and instructions and recipes and a template for somebody that, that couldn't go to a retreat but wanted to participate in one, if they could do it online and take like a weekend, online meaning like downloading material and content so they could 
hold that space for themselves. That was what she wanted to do. And she did it. <laughs> she has it now. I'm so proud of her. And it's such a beautiful creation too. It's called um, the Staycation Retreats. And that's available on her website, B Zen Wellness. And that's the letter B, Z-E-N. W-E-L-L-N-E-S, Bees and Wellness. And on there, you can learn about the other things that she offers like coaching and PEMF therapy and yoga and aromatherapy and another uh, online available, uh, online available like home style retreat based on meditation and journaling. So she is a bright light, a beautiful, bright, bright star in the world. And I am very, very happy to introduce you to her. So please enjoy this conversation with Brittany Borsma. I'm here with Brittany Borsma. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today, Dip Brittany. We just co-anointed ourselves with Neroli oil across time and space where we each are to get on the same vibe. And I appreciated the invitation to do that, Brittany. It feels good. Mm, I've been doing that for all my classes that are all digital and virtual. And it just really helps us all connect, you know, across the screen. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you get everybody to have the same oil? Um, I've been actually just sharing with people to have either a citrus oil or a floral or a wood um, or a mint so that it's more in the classification of the oils instead of a specific one. Gotcha. But I've been sharing more common ones like lavender and lemon. And it seems like most people have those more common oils. Yeah, they do. They do. This one that we have. But I knew a, you had no rolling. It's a specialty oil, the princess oil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When the faves. Thank you for that. And um, so you're leading classes right now online. Yep, on Zoom. Trap class, booty classes, booty yoga, fun fun <laughs> dance class yogas. How, how's that going? It's been really fun. So um, I have worked with a group called Those Instigators. They're on Instagram, at Those Instigators. And we've worked at different festivals together. And it's more about... Um, creating community inside a festival setting and drawing people in and doing more fun, interactive activities. So uh, Mark Martinez, who runs the instigators, he, or he's a co-creator of them. He's been doing this online nine to five and he's been playing music from nine to five and bringing different DJs and different artists and go-go dancers. And then like literally been, from nine to five, he's playing music nine to five, but he is also pretty wild. I think he played for 40 hours straight or 48 hours straight during quarantine at some point. So he is just pumping out the music and he's offered me a nice opportunity to be able to teach while he plays. And I love the more fun, upbeat classes that are a lot more playful and it just gets a lot more people involved and interactive. So yeah, we've done a couple of theme sessions. One was all to trap music. So we called it trap yoga. And the other one was a house party yoga. So he, um, it was actually not even Mark was playing. It was a 
two different DJs at once and it was all house music. So that was fun. But then I've been consistently offering yin yoga on Friday mornings at 9.30 Pacific time on Zoom for just anybody who is called to join and it's all been donation-based. And I love yin at home because we tend to have all of the props. We've got pillows and blankets and we can get really cozy in our space. So I've been really loving the, the yin vibe. Yeah, great. I was just back in the studio after 10 weeks, you know, being closed. And uh, while we've been in quarantine and I've been teaching online, I haven't taught my regular yin class. I've only taught my vinyasa. And so I taught yin for the first time. We had to take all the props out of the studio though. And so I had to teach a propless yin class, which is what I would have to do in environments like festivals, you know, and Krishna, he was in the class and he said, oh, I loved really the experience of doing yin without any props. And I'm mm. like, oh, that's good feedback. Because it was just, you know, sometimes with the props, it's there's that moment when you're always setting it all up and breaking it all down. And we just moved from one thing to the next without any. So it was good to hear that I could work without it. But I know Did the props. Did you do more are... shorter holds? No. I don't think I did anyways, but it was like reclining pigeon, which you can do without props mm -hmm. or seal and sphinx, some eat like reclining twists, that sort of thing. And yeah, um, I love that. made it work. It's so nourishing, isn't it? And I'm so glad that I got to learn yin at Sage. And I feel like you guys really equipped me to be able to lead a really delicious yin class. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's one of my favorite faves. All yoga is so good though, for mm -hmm. sure. So you're teaching that online and I know you just launched your staycation retreats as well. Yeah. That's sort of perfect timing also. Really? I mean, it couldn't have been more divine. Um, We've named it Welcome Home, and it's a two-day staycation retreat. And originally, I wanted to create it because my husband and Jonah and I have been traveling a ton, and we were just on the go. And coming home was just this quick launch pad for us to get ready to go to the next thing. And rarely was I able to just come home and rest we were kind of unpacking, repacking, cleaning, and you know how it is to run a household. So it was always a little chaotic. And when I've actually been able to create space at home for me to dive into my practices and allow myself rest and a way to nourish myself through healthy foods and practices, it's been really transformational. And so creating Welcome Home only made sense. And then we were able to put it out while everybody was in quarantine. So it was pretty good timing. Have you had um, many folks go through it now since they have this time at home? Yes and no. I wouldn't say that it's um, selling, you know, like hotcakes, but the people that have dropped in and experienced it, it's been really cool because there's so many different elements to it. We have meditations, uh, different yoga practices, so vinyasa and yin, and we have recipes and ways to um, 
practice some like sacred self-care rituals. So everybody has had different feedback for every type of offering that's in there. So like you had shared that the recipes were really great. And I know that you're cooking more at home. Mm-hmm. And then my cousin's never experienced yin yoga. And she's like, I am a big believer in yin now. And I see other people that now have an altar space in their home. And I talk about like creating an altar. And it's so nice to be able to make our practices, even just um, sitting down for meditation and having our little altar space there to really anchor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the altars are huge, 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 huge. And um, now you're spending more time at home. Before you said you were always on the go. So how long have you been at home now? Well, since we've been, I guess it's been like three full months. Uh I mean, I don't really know when, I guess we, we got back from our retreat in Belize at the end of February. And then it's been, yeah, since beginning of March that we haven't gone anywhere. And how's that felt for you? Really, really grounding, really nourishing. Um, I have a health coach that I work with and in the midst of all of our travels, we had also um, spent time and went to Burning Man, which was fabulous. And I came home tanked and exhausted. And so I ended up taking on a health coach and we did a bunch of different tests, uh, testing cortisol levels and melatonin, all the different hormones. And a lot of my levels were low. And right now that was, it's been like since January that I've really focused in on that. And I just started uh, retesting. I got some blood work done and my liver levels are phenomenal. And I feel just a lot more vibrant and creative um, being able to stay in one place. It's been really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So are you thinking about when things open up again, or will you live a little differently? Oh yeah. A lot slower, um, slower paced. And I'm really getting a lot better at looking at my calendar and seeing if I would have a free weekend, I'd say, oh, well, we've got time and actually blocking out time for nourishment and grounding at home. And we have a garden space here on our property and um, spending time out in the garden. And I know when harvest time is, so I'm really trying to dedicate time so that I know that I'm able to take care of our garden and take care of ourselves just like we would take care of plants, taking care of our, our own health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm finding exactly the same happening in my own life, for sure, for sure. And have you noticed more creative energy flowing without traveling so much? Well, the word creative, I'm getting stuck on that. So it's like, has my energy been creative? I would say, because I think of creative like paintings, like artsy, you know what I mean? And I feel like I would answer no to that. But I would say that I've had a new influx of energy and a clearing out 
a clearing of energy and a regrounding of energy and a lot more inspiration into more directions. But I'm mindful to not um, begin too many new things because I have a tendency to do that. I'm, I'm a bit of like a rainbow person who has all kinds of interests and I love pursuing them. And so I'm, I'm trying to focus in and narrow. And I've been spending a lot more time outside in the garden and landscaping. And like for Mother's Day, I asked for a weed whacker. And that was like the greatest thing that I could have gotten just to be able to weed whack. And then, uh, <laughs> and just more time with the kids. And then I'm doing like um, an extra training. And then now it's starting to open the yoga studio again. And I've got Source and I'm homeschooling. And then I'm doing things like this podcast and I'm doing more life coaching. And I'm still mentoring students through a yoga teacher training. And so it still feels like this huge, giant bubble of activity. But, and I'm doing more of my like personal sadhana practices that have felt, I would say the, like the most, most good, but I haven't, I would say that I haven't done anything besides gardening and more like learning to play the harmonium and singing with that. That feels like a new creative flow. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that you've gotten really creative. If I can highlight some that I've seen is at Sage you guys have been leaders in how a studio can really um, magnify these times and be able to utilize all of the resources. So I know that you're teaching the classes on Zoom and also in studio. So you guys have been really creative and you've pivoted a lot in being able to keep your students involved and also being creative in the student space and I have not felt more connected to my Sage community since I do live in Oregon and I don't live in Boise. Um, Most of the time when I'm able to participate, it's when I'm actually in person and traveling to Sage. And now so much has opened up where we're able to communicate virtually. So you've been really creative on that. Thanks. Thanks for that reflection. And it's true. I have been pushed into this online sphere and doing the classes and sharing online and sharing the live streams on social media. And yes, doing it more than I ever, ever would have. It's kind of a pain point at times uh, because the tech side of it is so difficult getting it up and going. I mean, you saw me here even like getting this podcast going. There was still like three more things that I needed to do. Not that I didn't know that I had a podcast coming up and I've been planning for it all day. But for whatever reason, my mind works in this way where I don't get it set up a lot of ahead of time. I'm like, oh, now's the time to begin the thing. Okay, let's begin the thing. And then it seems like there's always something that crashes or doesn't work or doesn't align or I don't have or isn't isn't working the way that it needs to be every single time. <laughs> every single time it's that way. <laughs> it's a little okay, maddening. Big lion's breath. <sighs> I, I said to Krishna yesterday, I had, I had problems with my Zoom class, the yin class that I was doing where I had this, I had set up everything ahead of time. I had like the tripod out 
and the iPad there and I knew where it was all going to be and I had all the programs downloaded. I'm like, all I have to do is open up the app and press go and start. I've set this up days ago. And so then I go into the class and I turn on the iPad and the battery is like 100% dead and I'm just like, <laughs> why? And I have to go get my computer instead as a backup and plug it in. And, but I haven't updated the Zoom on my computer yet. So then that needs to download an update. And I said to Christian, I'm like, I felt like I just wanted to throat punch somebody. And he's like, that's really specific and explicit. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, yogis get pissed off too. <laughs> While trying to hold the container, I've got 10 people in person in the studio with me that I'm holding space for it, like live trying to get this going. And the frustration level, it's so beautiful how I can witness my boiling point just get like energetically, it's like spewing out the top of my head, but nobody knows but me. Yeah, I've been noticing, especially with the digital classes, that it's like halfway through the class, I finally get in the flow and I'm able to drop in. But preparing for these digital experiences is a lot. And just like when I was teaching with um, Subset or Mark Martinez for the instigators in the nine to five situation, he uses Twitch. And Mm. we had five electronic devices to make that experience happen. And for him to be able to get me up on the live Twitch feed. And I was prepared 30 minutes prior to class time, just like I do in person and ready to go. And we ended up starting about 15 minutes late because my um, my sound was coming through reverberated and something was going on with the equipment. And he's like, okay, well, instead, we're just gonna get your voice through Um, Facebook Messenger. So call me on (laughs) Facebook Messenger and that's how we're going to get your voice through. I'm like, how the hell could he even figure that out? First of all, that's why he's, (laughs) he's doing these things. But I'm like, I am at my maximum capacity with my technical abilities at this point. And then now I just started shaking. I'm like, all right, everybody, we're going to just start shaking and bouncing and we're going to shake it out and wiggle And that's what's fun too about teaching those more upbeat classes is you can just get weird and wild and throw your booty shorts on. And also I love tantrum asana for yin, just throwing a big (laughs) tantrum while you're laying on your back, stomping your feet and slapping your hands on the floor and just giving yourself this permission to um, express. And I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned about myself through our quarantine is how much I need proprioceptive input, which is that 360 degree movement. I knew that I needed a lot of movement as a child and also as an adult, but I didn't realize how much it contributed to my mood and really actually getting aggressive movement out. I have got a little rebounder and I'll go out and bounce on my trampoline and do the tantrum asanas, um, practicing somatic breath work with rainbow Eric has been really powerful and actually getting it out in through movement, through expression and not just holding it in. So I hope that you are able to get some screams out of technology every once in a while. I think I'm do a pretty good scream. 
I'm due a pretty good scream. I'm overdue. I'm overdue. I've been yeah, running. Just throw a fit. <laughs> yeah, just throw a fit. I I I have been in the role, at least in the past two weeks or so, of holding space also. You know, and that can come in waves when you need to hold energy mm-hmm. for other people. And so mm-hmm. then that's that's presence in there. And I had my own breakdown like the two two weeks before that, where it was like everything coming in at once and through and deep, deep shadow, like deep, 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 deep work. When I was in that, I remember feeling like at first you have like the desire for there to be a narrative and know what this is, this emotion or this feeling, like why it's so like, and I was in that phase for a couple of days. And then eventually I just was like, I don't even know. I don't even know what this is, but here it is and feeling it all. And I know many of us, I think, are probably experiencing similar things because what's going on now in the world is so heightened, is so fragile, is so crazy, is so uncertain, is so painful, is so loaded. It's so Mm. multi-layered, like all aspects of our lives for many of us are, dude, dude, that's what I say when I can't even just like get there. Yeah. Well, and um, highlighting the shadow aspect and there is just being light shined on so much shadow right now. And first it was our health with COVID and just really dropping in into our self-care. And now it's gotten even bigger. Mm-hmm. And so how can we continue to drop into our radical self-care and self-love and nourishment so that we can continue to hold space and be that pillar, the pillar of light. But yeah, it's been a journey of self-exploration and I wish everybody had the opportunity to be able to do that. And through this work that um, I've had the a privilege of being able to do, like being able to learn and teach the practice of yoga and continue my education there has been a huge amount of self-discovery just for myself. And I think that it's just, we're all like peeling back the layers. Mm -hmm. And right now as a society, we're really coming to a head. (sighs) Yeah. That journey of self-discovery, it's, it is the path. It is the path through it all. I don't feel like it can happen, change, growth, transformation, alchemy, without going inward. And yoga and meditation and these practices that you're speaking of are your gateways in, are gateways in through ourselves and through our own shadow for integration on the other side, but it feels difficult. I think... folks like us, perhaps yogis and those that have been on the path, it's not new territory to feel uncomfortable that we've Mm -hmm. been putting ourselves into that space for a long time because we've been curious and we've wanted to learn and we've wanted to grow. And we do do that through the lens of our own self with, you know, the key of outer resources to lots of good things that we can read and teachers we can find and little like highlights and keys externally that lead us to the new, the new, um, avenue of self-discovery while 
needing to be out in the world too, right? And help facilitate change. And that's kind of the big thing that feels like it's up right now is where's the action and mm-hmm. what's the, what is useful action. And I've, I'm, I've been feeling at least just these past few days, like this pressure for action, right? You know, like mm-hmm. so intense being told that externally and it, part of that doesn't feel, um, in alignment. You know what I mean? Like when you're told like, well, you need to do something. It's like, well, first I need to like make a plan and figure out and see the way to go versus blindly jumping into something. Cause I'm told I need to somehow jump. Mm-hmm. And digest and kind of sit with our own emotions our own feelings. Mm. Yeah, I've really felt compelled to take action. And these, I'm teaching a class tomorrow morning and a class on Friday. I know that this will probably come out after the, after the fact, but um, I've just been looking at some different nonprofit organizations and ways that we can, can give back. And so I found, um, one that really resonates. It's called the Black Visions Collective. And both classes this week, I'm accepting donations and we're donating all of it back to the Black Visions Collective. And then we're also, um, Joan and I decided for Bees and Wellness, we're going to match all the donations brought in. And then I got an anonymous donor that reached out to me that wants to match our match. Wow. So it's so cool. People are, you know, really responding. And I was so nervous. You know, we, we don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to offend anyone. We want to, we, we are, are trained in trauma, right? We're, we've learned about trauma. And right now there are so many people going through it and including with the COVID experience And I am really thinking like, what can we do when some of the dust settles or some of, you know, things start to settle down? Like, I think part of the work is going to be trauma work and support and therapy and coaching and how people can recover from this. Absolutely. 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 Trauma is up. Trauma is up, trauma is being exposed, people being re-traumatized or extra-traumatized or traumatized for the first time. No one, maybe the children, because they're kind of sometimes below the radar, but also not at the same time. Maybe just everybody's getting traumatized right now. And we have time and space to work with our trauma. So it's sort of like this double opportunity or the opportunity is there at least. Mm. But... um. Yeah, I want to find a nice, a, a really good solid organization that does that work and um, trainings for organizations and businesses to assist their teams through these types of experiences and how to work with the community and how to work with each other and how to be sensitive to these type types of topics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've just been feeling a lot there. Yeah, compassionate conversation and dialogue and like-hearted, like-hearted connection through the uncomfortable and difficult and unknown without the shame and the blame 
that can happen for on ourselves. We can do that or onto other people and recognizing that being in conversation is an action too. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just talking about it. Yeah. I think, I mean, that somebody Absolutely. might tell me I'm totally wrong when I say that, but I feel like it is an action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, I'm, I'm, Oh, I have so much compassion for all beings right now. All beings. I don't think that there's a single person that's that's getting a good ride right now. I know I've had moments where I felt really great and we all have moments through this where we feel really great, especially in the beginning. I think April was a pretty good month for everybody. April was like the beginning of like the break or something. Perhaps not everybody had that experience, but May was a lot harder. Mm. And now June feels like it's going to be even like a bigger whammy. Even thinking about time is so strange to me because I'm like, everything has gone by very fast in a weird sense. And I have a hard time even thinking about the months and the days because they just seem to be going by in such an obscure way. I don't know if that's felt similar to you. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was in the shower and singing one of the mantras that you taught us, the loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Uh-huh. And I I just whatever we can do to bring peace to ourselves and continue to spread peace to the collective. And I know that singing a mantra in a shower might not sound like that big of a deal, but I think that our vibrations reverberate through water and however we can share and use our voice, even if it is in conversation. But lately I've been in our practices and through my teaching, I've been really encouraging people to use their voice and to just use a vibration. And if something feels good, use it. If something doesn't feel good, maybe mm, make another sound. And that's one thing that you've taught me a lot um, through your teaching is to use sound and it being a way that we can release prana and get prana moving. And through conversation, it creates this reverberation that will reverberate through time. So like the sound frequency tone that you have while you're speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, yeah. and even just speaking about it. Speaking. Speaking. Oh. Versus it staying silent inside. Letting yeah. the vibration out. Yeah. Yeah. I totally feel that. I feel that. That's the tricky thing with... Um, at least I have felt recently is social media, like the platforms like Instagram, I've kind of taken myself off of them because it doesn't feel like a very good vibration right now. It doesn't feel like a compassionate, welcoming sphere. Mm. Where we are feeling cautious of everything that we're saying. Oh yeah, it's booby trapped. Mm -hmm. It's booby trapped. And uh, that's my feeling sense. And that in psychology, there's this phrase double bind, 
which is kind of like, in essence, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like no matter what you do, you're doing the wrong thing. And internally that creates a very difficult psychological state. And then some can lead to conditions like schizophrenia where you can't like, your reality gets kind of fractured because the, all everything is a wrong choice. When we're really all just trying to make the right choice, we're all just wanting to be accepted. We're all just wanting to be included. And so what's out there now feels like the biggest double bind, biggest double binds where you're bad if you're silent or if you speak up, you're bad. Mm. And bad I use l- loosely, you know, but you know what I mean? Like you've done it wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you're saying you mentioned about kids, maybe they're not seeing it, but I think kids are just so in tune and feel so much. And the more that parents continue to work on themselves and I'm not a parent, so I, I can't fully speak in that, in that realm, but demonstrating that we're working on ourselves and that we're, we're trying. And I think it really shows to the children and the kids are going to be able to grow up and learn that all we need to do is just put in a little bit of effort and a lot goes a long way. Mm. Yeah, it can collectively, collectively. Last night in Boise, there was a black candlelight vigil at the state Capitol. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took Maya and Benji there. Maya ended up going with her group of friends, but we biked down with Benji, Christian, and I. And I thought having him there with us was really important, though I had to explain to him, like, the scene and what was happening and why we were saying these people's names and what that meant. And he was pretty silent but respectful through it all. It was like an hour and a half, two hours or so. And um, I I don't know. I don't think that he fully understood, but I think it's a good thing for him to have experience. He even said, like, why is this important? Why do I have to go? I'm like, I think you'll understand more later but you're coming. Mm. Mm. He's going to remember that. It was a really powerful scene. There was like maybe 5,000 people at the state Capitol and everyone was wearing black. Everyone had their face masks on. And uh, it was a peaceful, it was a peaceful gathering as a visual, not a protest, but beautiful speakers too, and really important and powerful. It's over the weekend. I last week when all this started to kind of like come to a head and unravel and I was feeling it. I went camping with my and Benji one as a way to just like get out of the intensity of the energy of it. And then going into nature is one of the places where I source the most. And while I was there and thinking about what's happening with, um, the racial issues in the United States, the feeling sense was like, couldn't there just be a place like having gone to Burning Man, you know, this like the temple at Burning Man, that symbolizes grief and pain and unprocessed emotion and where people can go to like really feel the depths of what's in there and release it and let it go. And then coming back when the, that vigil was posted that we, that was happening, I'm like, oh, here it is a way that collectively we're able to come together. And it had some of that. It It was like beginning to get into that a little bit of the collective processing, but I feel like there's still a lot more to go. There is a lot more to go. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
yeah, how can we create a space like that? And I think, I mean, it would be lovely for social media to be a place that people could express their feelings without feeling like they would be ridiculed. And I think that as leaders, we just, we hold the space and we continue to hold space for ourselves and, and work on our own healing. Mm -hmm. How do we make a temple here? I don't know. I love the idea of like every state having a temple dedicated to this issue because there's so many that's like, you know, generations and centuries of trauma and pain that in many ways haven't been felt. And for others, of course, have been felt nonstop. But I, it, what's hard for me, I guess, what right now with what's going on is I feel like the feelings of non-colored people are, you were being told they're not valid or not to have them or they're not important or not to speak them when for those that are just opening up to this kind of work, there's a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that comes up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think about a despacho ceremony and that's basically what the temple is, right? We, we release and then it gets burned. And is that what we're experiencing is like despacho everywhere right now? Yes. I didn't even put that together. If it can be felt, if it can be felt. If there's intention behind it, yeah? Yeah, and if if people feel safe to really feel the layers of feelings. And when you dig through the layers, they shift and they change. And so for some people where, you know, there's this terrible term, white fragility, you know, which can come off as um, white folks who maybe have a hard time agreeing with what is or has happened in race relations and oppression in the United States. But a lot of it's because it, it's new. It's a new idea. And there needs to be like like a whole like new neural pathways created to like really see beyond their perspective of what they were raised in. And then when that's hard, it's like, oh, well, you have this. And then when they sense that it's hard and they might get judged about it, then they don't say anything and they kind of back away. And then that's labeled as white fragility too. And that's again gets into that space of like, you're kind of just screwed either way, but you're actually really wanting to try to work through it and to feel the feelings. So there has to be a space and energy and a place where you can safely process that without fear of retribution or judgment because you just maybe haven't really thought about it yet. Mm. Well, and to offer to the listeners uh, for doing your own personal despacho ceremony, you could easily write down all of your feelings, anything that you want to release, maybe old constructs, maybe something that you want to bring to fruition and have a mini ceremony around it and, and burn that letter, burn those words. Um, but yeah. Oof. And if I want to offer a safe space for anybody that might need someone to talk to and know that I know that you're a safe space and I am most definitely I work towards that, towards non-judgment and people feeling 
open to be able to share wherever they're at. Yeah. Thanks for that, Brittany. And the personal ritual too, that can be very powerful in transmuting the energy and recognizing it as a process. It's not the flip of a switch. It's not the flip of a switch. It's like, it's almost like a new birth in a way too. And that has that sense of using the word fragile, but meaning like a baby that's so tender, you know, and adds the mercy of the world around it to have its care. And it's like coming out of the womb. Are the lights really bright? Does that hurt? Yeah, it does. Is it really cold now? Yes. But let me help take care of you as we birth ourselves into this new way of being. And starting from like infant baby space, there's a long way to go until maturity mm. and holding that with compassion too. I really feel like people, most people have very good intentions to get through this in the best way possible, but we're all being birthed into a new world and we're not in the new world yet at all. And we're all reparenting ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And our lives, you know, have been so dramatically shifted from the trajectory that we thought that we were on. And so allowing ourselves to, to that time and space to recalibrate, I feel like that's a lot of what I've been trying to do too with that energy of like not wanting to decide things too quickly or not wanting to move into action too quickly or even like watching myself like, am I repairing something that's part of a dying system that's actually wanting to let go, but I don't know how to let go. Like our, we're not trained. Our tendency isn't to let something end or fail or die or transition where it's like life support, life support, safety, keep everything going, keep everything okay, which doesn't really honor the true nature of reality. Mm. So this is hard. This is hard, hard, hard. We are not equipped, most of us with those kinds of abilities. It's learning new skills. We're all learning new skills if we're aware enough to try to learn them. Otherwise it feels, I think it might feel more confusing and painful. Well, and recognizing like what you were saying, you know, we, we might not be able to identify our feelings and it's okay to not have to put a label on them or identify them and sitting with it and really sitting in it, sitting in the discomfort, sitting in those emotions that we might not know necessarily or are able to define, but it could be that it's not even our own. It could be this collective grief that we're feeling and remembering that we are all interconnected. And I've known for a years that I'm an empath and distinguishing what, what are my own feelings and what are other people's feelings? And maybe this isn't mine. Maybe it doesn't belong to me, but it's the collectives mm -hmm. and really sitting with it and giving ourselves time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I felt waves like that for sure. Like the one I had a few weeks ago was like, this is way bigger than me. This is way bigger. It feels way bigger. Or it's even like in the, within me, like ancestral, generational, interpersonally there. Like it just 
Yeah. And, and turning off the mind's need to really know and figure it all out and really just feel, I think as a culture too, that's one of our weakest muscles is really feeling our feelings. Yeah. I've been looking a lot into ancestral trauma and knowing that, um, some of the feelings that I've had are not of my own in this physical body. And I've actually worked with some different people and healers to process through some of that ancestral trauma. And it's really fascinating. And it's been really, um, it's been a lot of growth for me to release some of those old patterns and realize that it, it didn't even come from my parents that raised me maybe, you know, that it's, it's older and it's deeper. So there's a lot there. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. And I definitely don't know the final no or have all of the answers and trying. And I know that you are too, to do our work and to show up and do our best. And that we are coming from a place, at least at this point in our lives, both, uh, both you and myself of a lot of security and a lot of safety and a lot of resources and abundance and privilege. Though I know for both of us, that's not how we were raised or where we were raised through, but even within that right now, recognizing um, the, yeah, there's, it's, there's some double-edgedness to that also, right? The opportunity that we have to do this kind of work and to go deeper and to heal these traumas and then the collective story that's out there about it being wealthy or privileged even of itself, like doing these practices, and then does it make it not worthy to do them? Should we not do them? Because they're sometimes labeled as such. Do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I definitely relate to that a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's part of the service in the work and part of the reason why I've been offering donation-based classes and like you can come and not, not pay if you're not able to, but just show up. And I've seen some of my family showing up to the yoga classes that I've been offering and seeing a real difference in their lives. My sister is one example, and she, she didn't really experience any of my yoga until I started offering these online Zoom sessions. And she's like, you know, my body feels so much better. She's, she was out moving her body a lot more, um, but she feels better out moving her body and hiking. And it wasn't something that was necessarily accessible to her in Grants Pass, Oregon. I'm not sure if there's yin offered down there. Um, there's not a lot of studios in general down there. So providing the accessibility, even somebody, it is still very privileged for somebody to even have a phone or an electronic device to be able to access the free Zoom classes. So I, I recognize that not everybody's going to be able to access them. But um, yeah, I think that's part of us continuing in our service, right? So if we are able to 
work through some of our own trauma, our own healing, then how are we showing up for others Mm -hmm. and providing that open door? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really great. That's a great way to say it. I, in my experience doing the work that I've done for the past 20 years, I've realized on this journey, the quote unquote spiritual journey, if you're really on it, it leads you, the only place it leads you is to service. Mm. That's like, the, that is, that is the like finish line is when you've entered into a place where now you're of service. Now you're giving, now you're helping, now you're supporting and being mindful that it's not from a place of white superiority. Like I'm coming in and I know what's good for you and I'm going to offer you these things. So being aware of that too, but it's how can I give back and what is needed and stepping up and it may show up as yoga classes or it may show up as volunteering at a shelter or donating money to a cause or giving to a charity or lots of different things. Spending an hour on the phone with someone that might just need your ear. Yeah. 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 Service has been in my blood for a very long time. My mom was a nurse and my parents uh, were divorced. And so my mom would take me to work with her every day. And she worked at a retirement home, a retirement facility. And so I got to work um, basically volunteering at the retirement facility with elderly people. And I was there every single day in the summer. Oh my gosh. I know they loved seeing you. Uh, I How much joy did you bring? You brought so, so much fun. joy. It was it was an honor. I got to be a part of like the activities and games and I would give the ladies pedicures and we would do like nail sessions and uh, dance parties from the wheelchairs. And, you know, I got, I think I was nine years old and I got the volunteer of the year award. Oh, and just these people don't really get to see a lot of young people and getting to spend time in that sphere all growing up. And it was to prevent me from being a latchkey kid, which um, if you know what that means, it's just a kid spending time home alone all the time. So I wasn't able to be home alone. So I just went to work with my mom. And that really um, provided a foundation of service for me in such a different way. And volunteering and spending time with people that don't have family that don't have, um, necessarily resources and they just, they just want time. They want your time and your energy and your ear to listen to their stories. And that was a really big learning experience for me that I've been able to take with me now is that people do, they just want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to know that they exist. And that goes for the elderly, it goes for our Black community, it goes for every human being, and even animals. Very so. true. Very well said. They just want to be seen and heard and recognized and validated that they exist and they matter. They're still important that you're with them. Yes. Yeah. 
And you always show up in that way. Out of all the people that I know that, you know, come to mind, I'm, you're at that like high, high, high 99th percentile of incredibly generous and thoughtful and loving and giving and very concerned about other people's needs and how you can help people feel welcome and comfortable and safe and good. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you're like a little shining bright star. Big, big. Didn't mean to say little, big, shining, bright star. Thank you. I receive that. I receive that. And that's, what I, that's all that I hope. And um, I think that being in the position that I have been, I want to even, I want to give more. And the more that we're able to show up in service, the more it fills our cup, really. But as leaders, it shows and it demonstrates to other people what's possible. Mm-hmm. That they can show up to, and it doesn't hurt to give. It doesn't hurt to offer our time. And I can think of many times that you've been there for me, just answering a phone call when I've needed to talk to someone. And that speaks volumes when there's some people out there that are like, no, you need to make an appointment. I get on my books. I'm like, well, I don't think I'm going to have the same problem in two weeks. I've got the problem right now. <laughs> and some people just need, we need to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the double-edged sword comes with, when we do step into that realm of service, we have to make sure that we continue to serve ourselves. And I've actually burned myself out multiple times by overgiving and not acknowledging my own needs. So coming from a place of groundedness and centeredness when we're choosing to give and from a place that we really genuinely want to and that we don't feel like we have to. Yes. I learned that lesson, what you're speaking to from Rainbow Eric over our years of co-teaching together. He would describe it as we ha- we can give from overflow. We can give when we have extra to give. We can't give when we're in depletion because then we're it's tapping in it's tapping our own life force energy. And he points to nature. He's like, you know, an apple tree that's been well cared for and nourished and has all of the necessary elements. It grows apples. But if one season it didn't get enough water, it's not it's actually not going to produce apples that year because it doesn't have what it needs to give in that way. And humans are the same too. And we can get into a cycle, a cycle or a spiral or a complex of martyrdom where you're giving and giving and giving at your own negative cost benefits. And that doesn't really serve. Mm. Yeah. I feel really blessed to have grown up with my mom who was a nurse. And I got to see that firsthand is the only time that she would take time off was when she would end up in the hospital herself from being sick. And so this whole radical self-care that we represent with these unwellness is because of what I got to witness growing up where my mom was constantly in service and not really refueling herself. And I've also followed in her same patterns um, like we as children sometimes do, but I've had some really hard, rude awakenings where I've had to say, okay, now I have to stop and recalibrate and yeah, water my tree, my hair, my, my tree needed a little trimming, a little nourishment, 
some fertilizer and my tree's feeling pretty strong now. Yeah. The the co- other cool thing you're making me think of is we start to do these practices, especially the embodied practices. Um, you can then tell your body's telling you when you're getting depleted and what you need. Mm. Right? Like you've learned that through the years of self-study that you know yourself that well, where you can tell when something's off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of the elements and things that we need on a daily basis to remain functional. And I know that when I'm not getting proper sleep at night, and I know that especially right now, a lot of people's sleep is being affected. And so when we know that we're not sleeping well, we might not be able to show up as heavily as we normally do. So adjusting our our days based on the level of sleep, the amount of sleep that we're getting, um, the amount of nourishment we're giving ourselves. And I know that on nights that I have a party night with my friends, the next day I'm not going to show up as efficiently as I would if I was getting a really good night's sleep. So planning accordingly. Exactly. Exactly. Knowing yourself, knowing what you need, making adjustments, that there's not one formula, there's no way of being that you always are. It's constantly in flux. Mm-hmm. And witnessing that and having compassion that for that for yourself and then for others. And especially as a female too, and we're cyclical beings really, and understanding our cycles, that's been a whole nother thing to dive into. <sighs> <laughs> It's never ending self-discovery. Yeah. The learning goes on and on and on and on and on. Well, thank you, Brittany. Thank you for sharing your time with us, with your energy and your insights and your wisdom and your practices that you offer and for being out there in the world, sharing what you are. Is there anything that you want our listeners to know about right now before we end? I'll put some links to where they can find you and Be Zen Wellness and the show notes and things like that. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, so welcome home, our staycation retreat. It is a digital retreat that anybody is able to access going to our website. So maybe you can um, link that in the show notes. It's just right up at the top bar on our website. But if you're interested in learning meditation as well, we have a five pack of meditations called the meditation journey. And they're just 10 minutes long, really simple. Um, We use visualization and a lot of groundedness, um, mindfulness. And let's see what else. I think the welcome home pack is really something. And also I'd really like for people to just tap into themselves and know and trust that everything is unfolding as it should and that everything happens for a reason. And when we look back on times, we start, we're able to make sense of things once time has passed a bit. So try not to make, make too much sense of things right now and just feeling into the present moment. What's the present moment feel like right now? Mm. Like my feet on the floor, the temperature of my skin, 
the smell of the space that I'm in, the hair on my head, the texture of the clothing on my skin, my heart beating in my chest. Mm. Embodiment, really feeling into our physical sensations helps me really drop into the present moment. Yeah. Breathe, 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 breathe. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Brittany. Such a treat talking with you. Thank you. I love you. Send my love to Krishna and the kids. Yes. Tell Jonas we said hi. I will. Lots of love. love.